Hello and welcome to The Agenda. It's Monday the 3rd of April, we're right into April now and uh, we've got a huge week for Celtic. Uh, it does feel like we say that every single uh, agenda uh, start but you know we do have a huge week because this is Derby week. This is the this is the big one, this is the one that we can really kind of uh, pull ahead hopefully um, with. Uh, I'm your host Christopher Gallagher. Uh, just setting the tone uh, for today. It is, quite frankly, a glorious day in Canvas Lang. Uh, the sun is shining, the skies are blue. I take that as a personal sign uh, of joy and excitement on the horizon Horizon for the good guys. Uh, who have we got today on the panel? We've got, as always, Alan Edgar. Hello, Alan. How are you, sir? I'm good, mate. I'm good. It is a, it's a glorious day. Um, the blue skies, a bit of a concern, but, you know, there's plenty of time for the sky to turn green this week, I'm sure. Wow, wild. Um, yeah, um, we also have a, our good friend Kieran Devlin was unavailable today, so we've got a fantastic uh, replacement. It's uh, Colin Kearney. Hello, Colin. How are you? I'm well, thanks. Please don't build me up too much. <laughs> um, it's Monday morning after all, and uh, yeah, but I'll try my very best to to meet Kieran's high standards. Uh, that's the sort of confidence we're after, Colin. <laughs> that sort of positivity. Hey, Devlin's is my middle name. Um, beautiful stuff. Um, Colin obviously was on uh, the weekend update uh, over the weekend, which was fantastic. Him and Christian. Uh, Alan, we also had the Beyond the Scoreboard, uh, which was dropped on Saturday. Um, you can check that out, um, an overview of the season uh, from a stats and tactics perspective. Um, how are you guys? How's things? Uh, Alan, we'll start with yourself. Been up to much this week? Anything exciting? Anything new? Looking forward to this week as well? Um, I'm looking forward to this week a lot. It's... Um Derby on Saturday, and then I'm largely off work next week, um, and I've got a, a wee trip across the water. So it's countdown time. It's keep the ball in the corner time. Nothing daft, nothing silly, and then um, just see it out until Friday. So I'm looking forward to it a lot. I'm really excited for Saturday now. Really excited. Yeah, uh, me too. I, I kind of start swaying from really excited to that sort of nervous feeling. Uh but uh, Colin, yourself, um, obviously we spoke to you on, on 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 Friday on the weekend update. You've been up too much over the weekend. Uh, how are you? How's things? Oh, I'm, I'm good, man. I went to out to my folks yesterday for my mum's birthday. So it was uh, a, a big um, sort of family reunion. So it was really, really nice. Um, and uh, I mean, the only downside was uh, listening to the football on on the radio and I hate listening to games like that on the radio um, but no it was a lovely day and uh, this week yeah just got a full dance card lots of work so a lot of things to keep me distracted from uh, from uh, over overthinking about the weekend yeah that's the, the kind of thing where um, you want to keep distracted you want to kind of you want to be busy at work or because well this is just me personally but bit busy at work and it means that I can kind of not necessarily haven't said that my work is planning for the derby so <laughs> I mean uh, it's very hard to kind of in a uh, rock and a hard place there go absolutely um but yeah um so we've got this um this big game on Saturday we'll start the build up today we'll look ahead to it but we'll look back at um, yesterday's performance we've got some questions and we've got some news as well um Let's uh, let's kind of start with the opening question. Uh, the opening question came in uh, from Paul Gibson. Um, perhaps this is a recency bias, but we don't seem to press teams as much as we did at the start of the season. Is this me needing to give my head a wobble, or is this is this a shift in style? Um, interesting. 
interesting point of view. Uh, we'll start with yourself, uh, Alan. What's your thoughts on that? Are we pressing as much as we did? Is it? Uh, do we need to press? What's your kind of thoughts on this? Is obviously being in the Champions League is very different, you know, to playing domestically because we've got a lot more of the ball and such. What's your thoughts? Yeah, I was just thinking uh, about Paul having a, a bobblehead type scenario there when he said about giving his head a wee wobble. Um, so don't do that. I think you're. Um, I think you might be right. I, I, th- I think it was the Hibs game, the Hibs home game a couple of weeks ago, where a few people um, and I was kind of the same mind. We looked like we we're trying to step off a little bit um, and maybe try and encourage teams to try and play out as opposed to playing straight um, long balls and turning the ball over very very quickly. It's difficult to press when the opposition don't retain the ball. Um, and I think if the ball is going to go straight and it's going to go long very, very quickly, I think your priority is to make sure that you're set there before worrying about going and squeezing that. Because if you're, you know, if you're asking Dyson Maida or Kyogo to start that, if if the possession largely just entails one set of half taking a touch and then launching it, it's very little that they can do. They can put pressure on them so they can't play it into, you know, Jordan White, for example, yesterday would have been a target. You can try and make that more difficult. But it's very, very difficult um, to actually get into any sort of rhythm of pressing when other teams aren't trying to play out. So, um, yeah, I I think maybe there is an element of it. Maybe trying to encourage teams to play an extra pass and try and tempt them into maybe playing into midfield and then picking them off. But I think it is very difficult when when you are playing, especially when it's bottom six teams, bottom eight teams in this league. I think they will try and just play direct. There's very few teams in the league that will try and even play two or three passes passes in the build-up, so it can be very, very difficult for us to actually get into any sort of meaningful pressing. Um, I think you might see a little bit more of it this weekend, perhaps, if Rangers try and play out, but again, like we talked about on Friday, Rangers don't have any qualms in, in going direct and going long and playing off second balls as well, so I think priority one for Ange and the team at the moment, against most teams that we play, is to make sure that we're set defensively for those long balls, for those scraps, as opposed to trying to pick teams off because they're not playing enough passes, quite simply, for us to, you know, get into any meaningful rhythm there. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. I, I kind of, as a, a layman in regards to tactics and all that, I can kind of see that as well. What about yourself, Colin? Like, that whole idea of, you know, keeping the opposition under pressure and, and really pressing them high, we're, we're not necessarily seeing it as much, but anything to worry about from your point of view? No, I think it's also indicative of, I mean, I think there was a stat, uh, mentioned recently about the our sort of possession time, uh, our average amount of possession has gone up over the season. Um, so we've got a lot of the ball, um, and we've got midfield superiority most of the time. So uh, there, and as Alan says, that people are counting on that, and we've seen as the season progressed more and more. Uh, I mean, uh, we need to, we need a new term for a low block. We need like basement block or something like that. I don't know. There's so much of it. And I mean, look, looking at the Scotland game last week and um, when um, Scotland's game plan was obviously launching it <laughs> constantly. And, uh, you know, so there was little for Spain to press. So I think we kind of see that um, there's an equivalence there um, domestically. Yeah. And I think, you know, that do you think that's something that you looks at? I, I know, I know the answer to this in regards to, you know, going long, Alan, you know, like with, I'm just going to play out from the back and we're going to play out from the back, but would there be any value in potentially kind of gaining, you know, 
territory in yards. You remember, you know, famously the the Edward Ibrooks when we just hit it long and we get that get a long ball that we get the throw in really high up. Um, is that just not in his playbook at all, Ange? I don't think it's it's not in the playbook. We, we will play long if the opportunity is there, but it's not in the same way as you know, for example, Ross County went long yesterday. I don't think you're going to see Carol Staffel or Cameron Carter Vickers just playing for territory. I think if by going long, I think what you would be looking for, you'd be looking to spring either Dyson Maida or Jota. If a team does come on to you and maybe they are caught wrong side of the ball, you'd be looking for one of your midfielders to maybe try and pick them out with a longer pass. But it's a flatter pass than shelling the ball because you're trying to get a bit of you know pace onto it and release them as opposed to just firing the ball up the park because Kyogre's is probably not going to muscle out you know, defenders, it's not It's not really his job, it's not what he's there for. And again, coming back to the way teams play, their whole aim is to make sure they don't get caught wrong side of the ball. So I think if we were to play long in the way that other teams do, all you would be doing is, is giving them some kind of straightforward you know, meet and drink to just send straight back to you. So I, I don't see any value in it. And if we do play long, it would be more, you know, cutting passes wide as opposed and trying to spring wingers as opposed to just playing for territory. I, I think we're largely not having any issues um playing out in my opinion. You know, sometimes it can be a bit messy, a bit clunky even, and yesterday was certainly a good example of that. But the principle of what we've done all season has worked, so I would see no reason why why we would deviate from that now. I would I. I definitely would. More goals in it. Score more goals and get a big man. It, it links to a question later in the pod, I believe. Yeah, potentially. Big man up top, wee man running off. Come on, that's what. We're big at. man, little man. Aye, exactly. Um, this actually brings us nicely into a question from Ryan. Uh, and this, listen, we get this probably every derby week. Um, but I'll, I'll, it's a good question for me, and um, it's a good way to start the week. Uh, we'll, we'll get your thoughts on this call. And we'll go to you first. Let me read out the question. Um, nice easing into the derby week. What's your favourite performance and goal? They don't have to be the same game. Versus that mob. I love that. See that that mob part. That don't even mention them. Um, Colin, yourself, any kind of big performances, goals, players that just kind of get you kind of rocking before, you know, as we go into Derby Week? Um, I think for myself, we'll start with goal. Uh, Paul Lambert uh, in 98. So Vim Jansen stopping the 10. Yes. Crisp January and we were already 1-0 up and... Uh, there was just this beautiful move. I think like uh, the move kind of starts with Larson trying to sort of like cross into the back post and then it bobbles about. They're trying to clear their lines and it just comes out to Lambert. And uh, as regular viewers might know, I love a volley uh, and I love a half volley. And uh, he basically rockets it from 25 yards. Paul Lambert, top corner, up in the luggage rack. Beautiful. So, uh, and a really important goal in a really important season. So that sticks out for me. A rocket from the crypt because Rangers later oh, died. So beautiful, <laughs> beautiful. Um, I, I was, I was, I was at that game uh, with my sister, and uh, we were sitting in the north stand, really high up. I don't know why. You know, you have these sometimes really visceral memories, and um, I remember we, we were one nil up, and we were just. Um, just pounding and pounding at them and just it wasn't locked in. I just remember thinking the same thing's going to happen that always happens. They're going to get a breakaway goal, especially down that side at that goal at Parkhead. But 
when that goal went, that's what that you know. It's a great pick because it's genuinely one of my favourite ever goals. Because uh, Lambert, one of my favourite kind of players, and just the sound of it, and then you hear the kind of Sky commentary when it's like Martin Tyler and Andy Gray. Like it was, it felt like big time because you know it wasn't the way it is now with just consistent English football on on Sky. There was some kind of Scottish football. So yeah, perfect. Love it, Alan. Uh, give me some thoughts. That that is a great shout to Paul Lambert one, I think, because it is the perfect marriage of an important goal and just one of the most incredible strikes you'll ever see and a great celebration to book, which is always important. Yeah. So I think for balance, I think I'll try and go something entirely different. And I'm going to go with an important goal, but I'm a bit of a shanner. And <laughs> I'm going to go Jan Venegura Hesselink 2008 with his wee nod in the last minute. Um, Shanna, are you joking? That's a belt I mean, it's not a belt record. Come on now. Let's not. It's only Monday. Don't get yourself too hyped up. It's not a, it's not a, a classic goal. It's, it's, a, peach, it's a great goal. It's, it's a peach that's fallen off the, the stand. It's a wee <laughs> bit bruised, but it's still good. Yes. <laughs> it's what would be marketed now as wonky fruit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I think... Do you know, I like that goal and I was actually, I was talking about it, that, that game actually on Saturday and um, I think I always, the one thing I always remembered from that game, the frustration from that game was really incredible because oh, I... time was starting to really run out um, on the game and on a kind of title bid, you know, if we didn't get that result and Rangers were a kind of time-wasting, Al McGregor, um, asking about, was he injured, was he not injured and then he eventually goes off. And yeah, just just an incredible moment. Um, and it, it's not even as if it's not a title winning goal. We look back now, but sometimes it's easy to think about it or that. But still, so much. All that did was just keep you in there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think big, big, um, big Hesselink who gets my nod um, for that for what was a bit of a shannon of a goal. He gets your nod. It is a nod because he nods it in. Um, I remember. You know, that that was one of those goals that I just couldn't see coming. And when it did come, it was just like, you know, you look into the eyes of God. Do you know what I mean? It's just that whole, everything kind of flashes before your eyes. And, oh, absolutely. You know, that really is just the beauty of, of, of Celtic and the beauty of never giving up. And, and you know, I am myself and Barry are very critical of, of Gordon Strachan, but that was a team under him that really kind of drove till the very, very end. We scored a lot of last-minute goals against uh, teams under him. Hesselink's a player that I, I feel like, considering the amount of games we look back on, we don't talk about a lot. I'm just keen to hear what other people's opinions of Hesselink were. Colin, let's start with yourself. What's your opinion and thoughts on Jan Venegur of Hesselink? I think a lot of people don't talk about him because they're not sure how to say his name properly. <laughs> That's very true, yeah. <laughs> um, didn't he play in the Legends game uh, recently? Was he did. He? Yeah, mm. how, did he, how did he do? Uh, was he was a legendary day. performance? <laughs> did not have a great day, um, but he wasn't the only one. A few boys let themselves down that day. Al, you're still raging about that element, yeah. <laughs> No, that's absolutely <laughs> no, the, the deal I'll, of the I'll, season. <laughs> I'll say I'm not raging, but <laughs> I was bringing raging watching it at the time. Uh, what, what's your thoughts on Jan Vergara Hessling, Colin? Just a, a big fan, didn't rate him. Thoughts? I think it is. Yeah, he's one of these players that was kind of like very important in that team, and 
Uh, but yeah, like there's, I think there's quite a few. I think you could you could do a pod on kind of underrated, forgotten players. You know, um, there's like because you obviously have your fan favorites, and we all kind of have these emotional attachments to it. Um, and I think that he would definitely be, yeah, like de- definitely due a reappraisal. Um, I how I would I I really like Jan Vinegar Hess. Like I didn't. I remember uh, myself and Marek were work, working in Global Video in Shawlands, and uh, I remember we were we did that thing where we listened to the radio. Um, this is before kind of the way that um kind of mobile phones are now. Like you didn't have YouTube or anything on it. It was more just just more a mobile phone. This is kind of way back, and um, we were listening to the radio, and it was the Champions League, and it was the semi-finals of the Champions League, and it was uh, Jan Venegor Hesselink and Jason uh, uh, Park were, were playing up front for PSV. I know I'm doing a, going around the houses a bit, but they were playing for PSV, and um, they did really well that season, and then we signed for us the season after that. I remember thinking, how, like, what? How have we signed this essentially? You know, a guy who almost played in a, a European Cup final, um, and I think he took a bit of time to get warmed up. But I think once he got warmed up, there was a real period of real quality. Um, and that three-two game was kind of, you know, after that, I think he kind of dropped off a little bit. Um, that's no, no criticism, but he had some real highs. You know, the the goal at um, Old Trafford, uh, the goal against Barcelona. Uh, he scored again. He does. You know that you've got that imaginary checklist of what you want a select striker to do. You want him to score against Rangers. You want him to score at the top level of European football, and you want him to get you know fifteen to twenty goals a season. You know, stand out and absolutely. Um, bloody love big Yan. You've got him back on the the, the Yan tram. No, nah, that's nothing. There's no yam tram. There's no yam tram. There's the name for your pod right there. <laughs> the yam tram. All about the yam tram. <laughs> um, yeah, I, so no, that's cool. Um, the, the, you know, I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about very kind of Derby memories and and, and can, if you search on the website, you just put in Derby memory, we've got all those memories from uh, about 2019, um, kind of mini documentaries, they're all available there. So um, if you want to listen back to some interesting kind of memories, uh, go for that. Um, okay, let's... Uh, we've got some news before we kind of look at the a bit about the Ross County game. Celtic, bo- can you believe this? Can you believe that Celtic boss Ange Postecoglou has been installed as one of the favourites to become the next Leicester City manager? Can you believe that? I mean, it only took... I remember when um, I was recording the reaction yesterday with uh, Sermani and uh, uh, Lorenzo, and it's uh, it was a really great reaction. Um, so have a listen; it's in your uh, RSS feed. It's on the website and it's on the app. Um, but halfway through, I kind of get I saw that it came up that Brendan Rodgers had been sacked um, or mutually consented. I don't know what the word is, but I was looking at it and I thought to myself, how long, how long, how long before the Daily Record article? Um, and then obviously, as long as it takes to copy and paste or into Spurs over Spurs and just send the same article again, file copy, bang. Yes, yeah, and I'm waiting for the I'm waiting for the Chelsea one uh, this afternoon. I know that um, Graham Potter has been patched as well. Um, Colin, as you say, just uh, just as <sighs> what it is, isn't it? It's just we have to mention, I guess, that the fact that there's another Premier League job that is potentially you know they could come knocking. Yeah, I mean, it's, I think, without actually coming out and saying, I am not going to go down to England this season, uh, and just basically said as much as that. 
and um, do you want to go to a basket case club like Chelsea and sort out their fifty-seven um, hundred million dollar players, <laughs> or do you want to go to Leicester, which has been underinvested in and squand like they've basically squandered um, like all the kind of good stuff that Brendan Rodgers did? He just kind of didn't capitalize upon it he didn't sell his players at the right time he um he's not he seems pretty disinterested i i feel like recently with leicester every single post-match interview he's just like oh well yeah <laughs> no yeah i'll be away soon don't you worry about that you know um and yeah no i just i'm just not going this season i'm sorry don't be sorry be be uh, thankful we're, we're, we're thankful that um alan you know I, again we'll, we'll move on very quickly but just you know with what happened to graham potter who would be considered a sort of kind of progress maybe even in the Ange mold a little younger obviously but that kind of progressive manager who's got very kind of attacking fundamentals and stuff just with what happened to him it is kind of just a warning to any manager that you're probably not going to get a lot of time in that league yeah, it is, it is brutal. There is no getting by that. And um, I think the Graham Potter one, it's almost like Chelsea's seen Leicester taking action and thought not to be outdone. We'll do the exact same. And um, yeah, I think Colin's summation of it is, is spot on. It's really just, see when it comes out that quick, the, the article on whatever it is, the record or the sun or whatever, it is just clickbait. Look, Leicester in three, four days' time might have Angie on a short list of four or five managers. One hour after the sacking of Brendan Rodgers, it is just an easy win for them to put an article out and then have, you know, Ange Postacoglu, everyone click on it and find out there's absolutely no substance in it at all other than probably, I haven't read it, but probably quoted bookie odds, I would imagine. That's usually the, the winner there. So at this point, there's there's nothing to it. And I put a lot of stock in what Ange said post-cup final about his, um, you know, his plans for Celtic and hopefully this season, next season. So... Um, not particularly fussed about Leicester at the moment. Yeah, me either. Um, I just think it's we just have to kind of mention it that it's in the ether. Uh, let's kind of we're going to do some news uh, regarding uh, some yet stuff stuff that came out from yesterday, some quotes from yesterday, maybe some older quotes over the weekend that we didn't have a chance to touch on. Uh, but Awata has earned glowing praise from Ange Postecoglou. Here's some quotes post match yesterday. He was great. He was the one who looked most sure-footed in terms of the pitch and the handling of the ball. He's so clean technically. He really helped us considering it was his first 90 minutes after three months. He finished strongly at the end. I was really pleased. I got him out and showed his qualities out there. The patience in the bedding in period will assist. Um, I think he will get the benefit. Last year we found out with Dyson and Rio, who were thrown in quite early, they started strongly, but fatigued towards the end of the season. They have come off a full season, so it's a different feeling for them at this stage of the season. So my inkling if it worked out, was to get these three boys embedded slowly and give them opportunities along the way. Hopefully in the last bit of the season, we'll, he, they will be really strong. We will be see the best of them after the pre-season. But after looking at it, he looked really strong. Um, Awata, I, I think he's someone who... I think everyone enjoyed the kind of flashes of, uh, of his performances. But yesterday he got an opportunity and I think... I think he grabbed it with both hands. Uh, Alan, your, your thoughts on Awata and how he performed yesterday, just in, in general, and what does this do for him yesterday's performance? And, you know, is he kind of there or thereabouts for Saturday? Yeah, I, I think I think the context of the performance, we went at a 
you know, sparkling best. So I think you have to factor that in. But I thought it was, I think that description of him as being a, a, a technically clean player is really spot on um, because he does, he likes to take a touch and move it on. He likes to be sharp with it. Um, I think the interesting thing was yesterday how many different areas of the park he popped up in um, across the, the, the 90 minutes. And he looks adept, you know, in tight areas with the ball and he's also quite happy to pick it up. Maybe a couple of times he could have turned with it. But I think that is the kind of thing with sharpness that will come, just that knowledge of where players are. I was quite impressed with him. I think like everyone on the park yesterday, he had a period, maybe a 10-minute spell where he dropped out and things got a little bit untidy. But I was impressed with him. And I think the fact that he played 90 minutes and what was a a very competitive game right up until um, the very end, I think the one thing it does for him you know, I'm not going to rank him where he stands with other midfielders, and you're probably right, he's in or around that mix. I think what it, what yesterday will do for him is that it'll give Ange, he's got that evidence now that he can trust him in that kind of game where it, it wasn't pleasant to watch. I think a, a number of the players were quite frustrated with the park. Um, it looked quite heavy um, and looked quite soft. You've seen the players so many times just picking clumps of grass out of their boots. Um, and I think the fact that he was able to compete, play well on that park, looked like he could have played quite comfortably for another 20, 25 minutes. Um, I think we'll just show that you can trust him, that if an opportunity arises, if an opportunity arises Saturday lunchtime, that Ange will not you know, have any sleepless nights and wondering, is it too soon, can I select him? I think once you get that evidence under your belt, you know, he's more than competitive, he looks fit enough, looks sharp enough. I think there's a lot more to come. But um, I think it's trust. And I think once you get that, then, you know, he's, he, he is, as you say, in and around that mix. So I think it was a really, really positive day for him yesterday. Maybe one of the kind of brighter sparks, to be honest, from the day, because it, it wasn't a classic. Uh, Colin, we always talk about how we want uh, kind of guys who are given that opportunity to kind of seize it. Um, and sometimes it's not necessarily happened this season. But um, Awata looks like he's now ready to kind of step up. Yeah, and I think Ange is really good at this. Um, he's he's very good at lionising players at the right point and giving that kind of praise. I mean, he doesn't dole out praise, um, you know, willy nilly. Uh, and I think he just like he really wanted to sort of highlight. I mean, I I couldn't watch the game live. I listened to it on the radio, and uh, you would have thought that Ross County were all over us, and it was it was a near run thing, and uh, uh, we were lucky to get away with it. Um, but uh, it seems like from the extended highlights and what I saw of him, he seems to be um, yeah, he seems to be physical. He seems to have a good footballing brain and uh, popping up in different places. I think some people were saying that maybe um, he doesn't have that kind of. Uh, Cal McGregor kind of vision, but I mean, I think it's super soon to sort of make these kind of assumptions about how he's going to compare to Cal McGregor in the six. And I think, um, yeah, everything I've seen so far, I'm very excited. And it seems like he was Japan's player of the year for a reason. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. I mean, I, I really, as, as Alan kind of highlights, there was a kind of brief period of, of time where I think he, he got a little bit sloppy, but again, there's factors uh, involved in that, Alan. I think just the other thing that maybe to you know try and take away from it as well is that I think what he will offer is real flexibility and when you're making changes, it looks to me like he probably would be able to play in any of the three midfield positions. Um, I think it looks like his best position would be in that six area, but he is comfortable in 
um, on both sides. Um, looks at least very comfortable both footed. And I think that just then gives you options if you're trying to see games out. I think yesterday you've seen McGregor moving into the six and Awata moving up after it started the other way. And I think that kind of tactical flexibility can be quite helpful, especially as you get to that 60 minute mark when I'm just thinking about making changes. You can maybe then shift him around and it can mean that someone else can come in. And I think that's something that a manager Lange would quite enjoy. So it looks like he might be able to offer just that tactical flexibility as well. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, that, that flexibility, I think, is so important in there, specifically in uh, that kind of midfield three, uh, giving us those options in-game kind of changes and tactical tweaks. Um, Colin, you'll be delighted to hear that um, Ange Postecoglou insists Lee Alabada is happy at Celtic, um, following reports linking the Israeli winger uh, with the move to England. Uh, just a couple of quotes. It's been... Uh, it's been what the players want to do with some of them. They're at different stages and their life and uh, times have different ambitions. I've got no problem with that. It's not about ruthless or being harsh with them. It's about understanding their needs and what they want to do. That's fine. We'll move on and we'll move and they'll move on to better things. That's how I treat every case. Leo's very happy here. There's nothing that's shown me he wants to go anywhere. He just wants to be the best he can be and he's working hard every day to do that. He's been fantastic since he joined us. Sometimes uh, other people like to speak for others. I prefer to speak to the person themselves and get first-hand information. He seems happy, under, according to Ange. Um, again, this is all... You know, as we kind of move towards the summer, I don't doubt, and I think we're all kind of clear that there's going to be some surgery done to this uh, squad. There'll be some changes, uh, and Abada just seems to be the guy that, you know, because he's not playing as often, he's not playing as much, um, seems to be a kind of real asset that we could potentially kind of trade in for um, other options. Um, I am really disappointed he's not available for this game, though, because the game against Rangers, because he. You know, like him or, or rate him or not, he's someone who always turns up against them. It's a bit of a blow, um, Colin, to not have him being available because, you know, he's going to be out for a couple of weeks because, you know, he does score against them at Parkhead. You want everybody, everybody to be available for these games. You want every single um, tool available as uh, going back to the toolbox. Just Love going it. back to your surgery, I was I was just wondering if that's going to be the surgery of Dr. Carlin. <laughs> um, on the Celtic Monsters, that'd be exciting to see him being rolled out. Uh, being rolled out. Um, so yeah, I mean, Abada might be happy here, but I think his agent isn't that happy because these things keep leaking out. Just little kind of wee sort of things just come out, just to sort of uh, give everybody the impression that maybe he's got itchy feet. So I don't know, but yeah, I, I mean, uh, when you think about, yeah, he does score these important goals against them. If you look at that sort of. Um, the derby last year when we saw the real arrival of Hatati, I think, but um, you know, Abada just is there to doing that thing where he ghosts in and is there to put the ball away at the back post um, from that Hatati assist, and you you want that kind of ability on the park, um, or at least the option to bring it off the bench. So, yeah, regret. Regretfully, I say I miss. I'm going to miss a badder for this game. <laughs> <laughs> um, Alan, see, in regards to like, right? So, I've, I've been thinking about how you know that kind of idea of you know always evolving the squad and always changing the squad, and you know we always want to improve. Do you think Ange Postecoglou in his even just in his head, he'll have a kind of benchmark where he wants the players to hit? Um, maybe individual benchmarks where. If they're not necessarily hitting what he sees as, as the right quality consistently, then it's like, 
okay, actually, maybe we move you from one column to the other and that we don't necessarily want to sell you, but you're maybe a little bit closer to the door than, than we would have thought. I'm thinking about, like, obviously, Leo Labada being a, such a key player for his last season and, and this season, the most used substitute, which is obviously kind of a step back. Um, I'm thinking about Matt O'Reilly, who was a stick on to play every single week, um, you know, come the end of last season, whereas now... You're looking at him, at him and you're thinking, I, I, I would prefer other options potentially available for Ibrox. Do you think in his head he, it kind of goes like that? Or is it just a case of, I can see you offer all your qualities, there's no columns. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll keep you and we'll persist with you. I've started a column thing. I don't really know what it's about. But you know what I mean? How do you think that Ange's minds works on these players? I think, I don't think there's any doubt that the manager will be looking ahead and thinking maybe even you know in tandem with some of the coaching staff um but it would be a close circle and he'll be looking and thinking what do I want what does this team not have just now that I would like it to have I'm not sure though that that would be done hand in hand with reviewing players currently because I think there's if you know you talk about a bad uh, players potentially moving on there's so much of that that I think would be out with Andrew's control that you can't really bank on, you know, say 12 million or whatever the fee would be for Abada. Whether he was able to go or not would be the club would have a big say in that, the player would have a big say, and other clubs would have a huge say in it as well. And I think in addition to that, again, I think I made the point last week and it's just similar again. The manager and the coaching staff see these players for how good they are every day. And I think when they have one tough game, we think, well, we might not see him for a few weeks. Whereas I think the manager probably thinks, maybe not at his best just now, but it's our job to get them back to that level and give them the kind of opportunity to do that. And I think that's what, when I see Matt O'Reilly, I think that's what I, I think a lot at the moment. They'll be looking and I think they'll be very confident that there's a player there that they can get back to a much, much higher level, you know, maybe even before the end of the season. So, I think you're probably right. I would probably just divorce those different elements, though, of Ange looking at what he would like added to it. I don't think he would do that and say, well, I'll move him out and I'll bring someone else in. I think actually that's something that probably gets done a lot later. Once you've got your pool of players towards the end of that transfer window, I think then you start taking stock of that. I think that they're two maybe separate um, processes. Um, also, there were some quotes Ange had uh, in reference to David Turnbull, and you know David Turnbull obviously was uh, a member of the Scotland squad, and he's not played so much this season, so he's kind of dropped out of that that um, uh, the, the squad squad essentially. Um, and he was asked about that, and his response was: David has to do the same as everyone else, train hard and take his opportunity when it comes. He played in our last game against Hibs, and he did quite well. We've now got injuries in the midfield area, so he'll definitely get game time again. It's up to Dave, but I don't feel the need to speak to him. I don't speak to any of them unless... They, I love that. I don't speak to any of them unless they've got issues. I mean, I, I just, absolutely not. No no chance at all. Um, they all know what's in front of them. They have to take their chances, and the lads have been really good on that front. The players have their futures in their own hands. Again, Colin, it's just that kind of... Um, and it's good to kind of continue. I think, personally, it's good to kind of consistently remind ourselves of this about how much Ange Postacoglu gives the players that freedom to, you know, go and grab that brass ring. They get tactical, obviously, um, instructions and all that. But ultimately, if you want to succeed, it's all about what you do. And I think that's kind of quite important. Yeah, he's not talking to them, but he's he's talking to David Turnbull through those 
comments and he's like yeah he did quite well it's damning with faint faint praise and he's basically saying if well you could read too much into these things but it sounds like he's saying i have to use him because i've got these injury problems he's doing okay but he needs to he needs to like up his levels um and i think just from looking at turnbull's appearances i think we can all agree that um he maybe isn't contributing in the same way that he had to contribute when we were sort of in the, doing the rebuild. Um, and I think he's maybe a player that will thrive elsewhere. I, I just don't, I just don't think he's ever going to be a, a, a fit for the, the system and uh, Angie's ambitions for uh, for the team. So uh, I think we just enjoy him while he's here and hope he scores a few more Thunder Bastards and helps us out and uh, then goes in his merry way. Yeah, yeah, I think that's kind of, I think we're all kind of at that level, um, quality player. Um, I, I just want to highlight, um, you know, the fact that um, Kora Matoma, who's at Brighton and he's doing very, very well, um, Ange kind of highlighted the fact that we were looking at trying to bring him in. Um, I did try to get Matoma, but it was already almost done for him to go to Brighton. In fact, he and Kyogo were the first two players I tried to bring in across to Celtic. Uh, Matoma would have been a great signing for us, but unfortunately, uh, Brighton uh, have a good scouting network. Um, the, the reason I bring this up is obviously he's he is a quality player, and it's interesting to see that we were linked with them. But Alan, you know, we keep dipping into this Japanese market and really picking up these outrageously good players for you know cheap value it just kind of does feel like that's not going to last forever you know like it does seem that you know with the more breakout stars specifically in the Premier League that are being brought brought directly from Japan because there's a lot, been a lot of players that have been brought into the Japanese League that have came from you know maybe Germany or, or, or France and you know they've had a kind of route into Premier League it just seems that if Premier League teams start shopping in Japan that prices are going to go up it's like anything yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the, the other things as well is that it will get more difficult on the basis that as soon as, you know, Premier League, Premier League clubs, Bundesliga clubs, when they see that it's a viable market and that the transition can be made en masse, they, what they will then do is, is they won't look at the first teams, um, but they'll look at the systems over there, they'll look at the development systems and they'll think, what can we do then to get these players in at the earliest available opportunity so that instead of spending four million on a player or five, six, seven, whatever it is, actually we can try and bring them in a little bit earlier. And we have done well um, and perhaps the connection will continue and that we might have a foot in the door so that we can show players that this is a viable pathway maybe to the Premier League for the players that maybe aren't going to make that directly. But it will be more difficult, and I think um, I think we did. I'm not saying flag that up because it makes it seem as if we noticed that this would be an issue a year ago. But I think most people were aware that you probably had two, maybe three windows in which to do a lot of business, and I think we did, and we've done very, very well out of it. Actually, you know, a, a lot of the quality that we rely on week on week now has came from players that Ange brought in, um, in his first and second transfer windows here. Um, so I think we've done well at it. It, it. it might be very difficult going forward. And I think a lot of it, I think Andrew's comment was quite funny because I think he said that Brighton have a good scouting network too, which was very complimentary of our scouting network. Our scouting network did fly in in a private jet and met, um, you know, met with their chief executive. And the day that he leaves, that network 
especially in the Asian market, looks likely that will leave with him as well. So he's been very um, he's been very polite there, I think, and credit in the club for it. Um, Colin, do you think we'll go and look at other kind of kind of scouting areas? Um, you know, Japan's been so good for us, but that kind of it's still an untapped market in regards to a lot of talented players who go via other clubs um, in other countries. Why not us? Yeah, and also we've we've made ourselves more appealing. It's a, a thing that is maybe underestimated is how happy players seem to be in this team and in the squad, and and how successful it is. And everybody, if if you're looking at other teams who are maybe a little bit more uh, fractious and not, you know, there's always kind of some kind of umbrage going on. We seem to be a very kind of happy place and I think that is attractive to players as well as you know sort of all the financials and everything else that you expect to attract players um, obviously every market is finite and uh, everybody's got eyes everywhere it's like it's not like there's we've got a sort of secret um, underground uh, railroad <laughs> from Japan to, to Glasgow but um, I think yeah there's something about our success the way we play the way we play football is the way that footballers want to play uh, and uh, they get a chance to play in the Champions League and sort of play against the best teams in the world. I think that we'll continue to explore these markets and hopefully have success. Yeah, I remember uh, when we were linked with uh, Philip Benkovic before he signed for Leicester. He was at Dynamo Zagreb. And, and as far as I'm aware, uh, Celtic had something in place for to bring him in for about four or five million quid, and it was all but done. And then Leicester came in at like the 11th hour, and as soon as Dynamo Zagreb saw a Premier League team, they were like, 13 million! 13 million. And I, th- I think it was like 13-odd million quid that he joined Leicester from. And it's just like, as soon as there's English uh, Premier League interest, you're blown out of the water. You just really, really can't compete, um, unless that kind of deal's already done. So let's hope that we, there are kind of markets that we can kind of get to first. Because it is all about kind of looking at those markets and, and, and realising that there's a lot of potential there. And um, bringing those players in, developing them, and then moving them on. Um, so yeah, I mean, a lot of but also, but also look where they got Leicester as well. So Aye. you know, if there's a day to take a victory lap on the Benkovic um, <laughs> stealing, then it probably is today. So yeah, let's let's enjoy it. I really liked Philip Benkovic, but he was just always. I, I, I liked him as well, right? but uh, I'm not I'm not going to not use him as a pawn in this phony <laughs> war that I've invented. <laughs> uh, unbelievable um, before we kind of look back at the county game and then look ahead to the, the Rangers game obviously that's all on our minds at this point but um, there were some nice comments from Matt O'Reilly about Callum McGregor um, if I'm being honest I think Cal is a similar level to those players uh, you know Tony Cruz, Luka Modric respectfully if he's put into a team like Real Madrid I think he'd fit in pretty easily I've played with a lot of play- good players and Cal is definitely up there with the best of them he's a very important player and captain of the club on top of that he's a genuinely nice guy as well we're lucky to have him at Celtic I saw he was bursting through Spain players after 90 minutes on Tuesday night which was just sums him up I was really happy for him and for Scotland um, then Ange Postacoglu was asked about uh, you know go at him playing at a higher level and he's like ah that's something I wouldn't entertain when the club talk to me about bids I usually just say my phone's not working um, just McGregor you know we, we talk about all these players who have performed really well this season and you know you talk about Greg Taylor being a potential player of the year candidate you talk about Rio Hitati. Have Colin have we, have we even really do you even mention McGregor in that sort of he almost transcends player of the year I know that sounds wild but like he's 
you don't, I, I personally, when I think about who's our player of the year, I don't think about McGregor because he's just such a consistent. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and I think in a kind of weird way he gets overlooked because of that. I think um, maybe because he looks like he's never seen a mobile phone and could be on a player's cigarette card from like the <laughs> 30s. Um, he's just kind of got that kind of look and he's not covered in tattoos and looks like a sort of... Uh, and he's not um, absolutely built. But he's he's our best player and he's and it's and it's not just about his football and ability it's obvious like he's his determination his courage on the ball his his he picks these moments to do these outrageous things um where he you know he he is the ultimate at just like something is needed and i'm going to do it because i'm the captain or not even when he's a captain you know he wasn't he's not the captain of scotland but like that run against spain is just like that's what he does for celtic when we need somebody to just really kind of wrestle the game to our advantage. And um, yeah, and he feels, you know, he, he just feels like a lifer. Uh, and that's another thing, like we sort of like, oh, well, he's he's here forever. He's a Celtic man, so we don't need to worry about him. So let's just um, think about all our new sort of exciting toys. But um, yeah, uh, it's and it's really nice to see Matt O'Reilly given... Uh, giving him that kind of props, you know, it just shows he's so appreciated by his players. Yeah, it's funny, um, Alan, the fact that we went half, you know, not half, but we went like uh, maybe a quarter of the season already with, without him playing. It's just the idea of him dropping out now, just you would it'd be a disaster. <laughs> yes, yes, it would, Chris. <laughs> um, I was going to call you Kent there and just go with it, but nah, I've, I've missed the boat. I think. I think your point about player of the year is pretty valid. And I think it's because he reaches a certain standard every week that to then, because I think you just acknowledge that he's probably better than most players and you want to create this kind of level field. So, you know, the, the standard in the bar for him probably is higher than it is for most other players. And I think the one we talk about it a lot is level of consistency. What marks the very, very best players out, and you named a couple of them, and uh, Matt O'Reilly, sorry, named a couple of them. What marks those players out is that they never, they, they they just don't ever have a terrible game. They might not be at their absolute best, but they're never the player that looks out of place. They never look like they don't belong. They never let their head go down. And that that is that is the description of Calvin McGregor. And Colin's point about him, you know, having this innate ability to know when to drive a team forward is absolutely spot on. And it is just, it's an unquantifiable element of his ability. You think back to just about a year ago, um, that game at Ibrooks, and he just drives forward with the ball. Um, it doesn't actually even look like he's in particular control of the ball. It always looks like it's constantly just about to get away from him. Yeah. Um, and it's not it's not the, the tidiest of technique from him. But what he does is he drives past players and creates a situation where other players have to step out that eventually leads to a, a, what was an absolutely vital goal. Um, and he, he's done that so many times for us. When he picks up the ball and he changes pace, it's so difficult to compete with. Um, he's, he's incredible. He's just a phenomenal player to watch. And um, talking about... Well, used um, and used the expression, you know, he's so he's such he's clean with his technique. Callum McGregor, the ability to move with the ball constantly in motion and do it at such high speed, sprinting past players with the ball, it's just something that we just take for granted now. It's actually really hard to be quicker than someone when you've got possession of the ball and you keep 
such clean possession of it. It's a really, really difficult thing to do. And you just take it for granted with him that he can breeze past players. His, his ability is unquestionable and we're, we are, we're extremely lucky to have him. Um, and he is a joy to watch. So to answer your question, yes, it would very much be a disaster if he wasn't able to play the rest of the season. Player of the year. That's what I say. Um, we've had a couple of questions. Um, I'll, I'll read these ones out as we as we move on, because um, this kind of takes into uh, consideration what happened yesterday. Um, I'll, you know, let's actually kind of just focus on it. Um, Greg Taylor went off. Uh, he looked in some amount of pain. Ange uh, post match kind of ma- didn't think it was as bad as as, as we thought um, as as it looked essentially. So you know they'll, they'll monitor him and they'll make sure that you know he's he is where he is. But the questions that we received, I'll read both of them out. Um, question from James um, Could the Rangers match be a chance for Ange reverting to a back three with Kobayashi, CCV and Alistair Johnston, which is something you've highlighted in the past, uh, Alan, since Greg Taylor's injury um, in yesterday's game at Ross County, and uh, Paul McGinley, uh, what's that to say? If Taylor is out for Saturday's game, do you think we will play a back three? AJ, Starfelt and uh, CCV That's interesting, uh, Paul has put AJ, Starfelt and CCV and uh, James has put Kobayashi, CCV, and Johnson. Um, this could sur- surprise them and Bealball. Yeah, that's from Paul. Uh, he's in Edinburgh. Um, let's just say for argument's sake, as we kind of look towards the, the Celtic game, uh, the Rangers game, let's just say, and touch wood that this hasn't happened, but let's just say Greg Taylor isn't available. We talked about it briefly on the um, reaction. Sermani was saying that he isn't necessarily convinced that Bernabai would be the go-to guy um, and you know there might be something that might be done Alan we'll start with you you know would he go to a back three is that something that he would do for this game it does seem like quite a risk considering we've not played a back three all season yeah I think it would be a huge call um, and I, I think a lot of people would maybe consider that because of what happened in January when we didn't select Bernabe and we brought Juranovic on at left back. Um, and I do, don't think that it would be the ideal situation to play Bernabe on Saturday. Um, and just comments about Taylor actually made me more worried because he tends not to say yeah. when injuries, he tends not to say anything. So, and it, it did look that, that. I think the thing with Taylor's one, it's not just, you, you can't see from the footage what it is. It could be any number of things. It could be, you know, innocuous and just bruising and swelling, but it was pretty severe. And, he looked yeah, in a lot. He looked in a lot it, of pain it, as well. Absolutely. If I was to walk into your uh, room just now and hit you in the knee with a hammer, you'd feel probably fairly similar to that. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. What? what? Hold on a I'm minute. I'm just trying to highlight uh, clashing knees with someone, as people probably have done, as we've all probably done at some point, is absolute agony. But it can also be any number of things. Um, so there is a risk there. Um, I, I, don't, I, I don't think you would go to a back three for this game. I think you're then creating more variables than you currently have. Um, and I actually, I heard Savannah's point yesterday and the reaction, which was very, very good. I think we'll have less options now than we did in January, though. So I don't really think you would have the option of selecting anyone else at left back. So I probably think you would, um, you probably would go with Burnaby if, if Greg Taylor wasn't available. I don't see the change of system coming for Saturday. I think it's maybe a bit too soon. And you would then be maybe having two or three variables where actually if you just pick the NB, you've only got one. So not an ideal scenario if it comes to pass, but 
I probably I'd stick my hat in that ring for sticking with the same and just going for a, a you know a straight swap. What about yourself, Colin? Could you see any sort of variations in, in formation, or would it would it be as as Alan says, kind of keep the variables to a minimum? Uh, I yeah, I, I find it hard to, to see a, a, such a radical switch up at this particular juncture, and um, especially as we've seen. Yesterday, as aforementioned, not being at our kind of free-flowing best, uh, that's arguably pitch, it's arguably other things, but we did have to make a lot of changes to the to our usual kind of lineup and the and the, and the way we play. And um, I don't think we, yeah, increasing the variables, uh, as you say, uh, seems to be a wee bit. Um, it would be a bit wild card at this point. I could also just say that um, a back three with Kobayashi is pure Starfelt erasure. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I I am very against that um, in principle. Yeah, I think you know Starfelt is uh, you know he had his brain fart yesterday where he just kind of like hit the ball like across across their defensive line and it went to a kind of um it went to a Ross County play, I think it was Brophy or whatever, but I think everyone had bad passes yesterday. It's just it's kinda it's kinda that thing with Starfield where because he does kinda look a bit um even when he's making good passes that you just exactly. kinda And I th- I think I think that particular pass as well is like if you're talking about the pitch condition, it seemed like he was uh maybe misguidedly but he was trying to problem solve. He was trying to like get a bit of height in the ball and get sort of control that way rather than bobbling it across because we'd seen quite a lot of um a lot of kind of like odd deflections happening from these kind of like passes so uh i mean i i'm sound like such an apologist um and if, I, if I anything if anything it was a perfect pass is that what you're saying yeah <laughs> but like ccv made 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 that an errant pass and uh it, everybody just kind of glazes over it and it's like nobody ever mentions it in commentary and nobody ever mentions it in twitter Starfield does these things and it's instant uh, knives out and it uh, does my head in. Yeah, I, I feel the same. Um, although I, I, full of forgiveness, you two today. Full of forgiveness. <laughs> hey, listen, it's it's all about looking after our boys for this big week, all right? So I'll have no no criticism. Um, Alan, with the um, we're not going to talk about the penalty because we talked about it on the reaction, and I don't think there's no, I need to go over old ground. Um, it's in the reaction, and we talk about it briefly. Um, so have a listen to that. Can, can, I, can I maybe just point out that it is an absolute stonewall penalty under any. Any way of looking at the handball rule, via no via, it's—I really don't know what he's doing. It's like he's trying to pretend to be an elephant and just have a big trunk. That's with his hands. It's—it's it's a penalty. It's always a penalty, and I couldn't believe the reaction to it yesterday. Genuinely, I was astounded. Nobody's talking about the elephant in the box, Alan. That's what you're saying. <laughs> See, look, he's, he's warming right into it now. He's, he's found his range. Sharp. Um, but yeah, I, I completely agree. Like, um, a natural element to the arm, all that stuff. Yeah, go back and listen to the action. We, we kind of discuss it in detail, and there's some really good points about it. Um, but Alan, is there anything yesterday? And th- this is obviously, we've got a whole week of training, and we've got the opportunity to hopefully maybe get some players back into training, maybe up to speed. Was there anything yesterday that really kind of worried you? Uh, it wasn't a particularly great performance, which is fine. That happens sometimes. We got the three points, of course. That's great. But was there anything else that you were just a little bit like, mm, we need to have a look at that, maybe make sure that doesn't happen again? Yeah, there, there was a lot of things. I, I really, I think overall, 
delighted with a win, especially post-international break away at Ross County. That is not, the, if you were to decide the fixtures for yourself, that is not what you would pick. Um, and it's it was actually fairly comfortable in the end. I know it was untidy. It maybe wasn't the level of performance. I just, I do feel like the guys that are on the fringes when they're getting their opportunity, we talked about it a little bit earlier, they're not making it hard enough for the manager to leave him out. Matt O'Reilly, um, Got a frustrated figure yesterday. He, he was involved plenty in the game and he played his part in, in the win. No doubt about that. But he's just not at that level where Ange then thinks going into next Saturday, if everyone is fit and available, does Matt O'Reilly get one of the 11 jerseys? And I, I just think it's a fairly straightforward no. And that is a huge change from, you know, where we were, um, you know, three months ago, four months ago. So I think that's your job. Um, he made those comments about Turnbull. That is... That's what you've got to do when you're on those fringes. And I think if for all the variety we've got, for all the competition we have, it is now a very, very settled team when everyone is fit and available. I think most people could pick. If everyone was fit and available, I think most people would be fairly comfortable picking an 11 for Saturday without too much variety. And I think most of the fan base, if they were thinking exactly what team the manager will pick, I think... A lot of people would get that starting eleven right. Whether people are fit and available is going to be the question. I'd imagine that will be most of the discourse this week. But if they are, that eleven, there's really, really not much option for variety in there, in my opinion. Um and I think we'll probably get on to the chat later in the week about will Haksavanovich start and things, and I, I just think the answer probably is going to be no. If everyone's fit and available, that team will pick itself. And that's not a worry because it's those guys are, you know doing very well, their record is incredible and the subs are making a huge impact when they come on, but I think it's maybe just a little warning going into next season that you need to constantly improve and when players do drop out, you want that competition week on week and I'm not sure there's too much of it at the moment Um, and I think maybe players, the execution needs to be a lot better. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Listen, before we kind of focus on Rangers, uh, Celtic FC women, uh, they won yesterday versus Partick Thistle. Um, uh, Claire was there. It was on at the same time as the the men's game, which just from a you know a, a coming after. I know I mentioned this on on the weekend update, but coming after a you know last minute winner against Strangers when you really wanted that kind of momentum with people going because I would have went yesterday post match and maybe some other people would have went, but we didn't have that kind of option because it was on at the same time, which just seems a bit daft. But Claire and Lorenzo will talk about it in the Celtic Women's Football Show. Let me talk you through the agenda for the week. You're currently listening to the agenda, which drops every Monday at 1pm. Uh, tomorrow we've got the review, looking back at the Ross County game. Uh, as I say, Wednesday we've got the Celtic Women's Football Show. We also have the Midweek Bounce Starby Special. Myself, uh, Chris Bowd and uh, Brian McManus. A uh, bit of fun uh, on Wednesday. Look for your questions and such on that. Thursday we've got the Cynic Weekly, which is obviously the build-up to the Derby as well. Then the Weekend Update on Friday. We'll be looking ahead and we'll have the reaction on Saturday uh, post-match. On Sunday I've got, uh, I've got a feature lined up, but you know, I've had a few people mention potentially do something on Sunday where maybe like a phone in show or, you know, people can uh, make a, make their comments and uh, points valid uh, on, on, on Sunday. So we might make Sunday uh, an afternoon, grab a beer, let's have a look back at yesterday phone in. So uh, I'll confirm that later this week. Um, that could be good fun. Um, Colin, big game on Saturday. Celtic take on Rangers. It's Monday. 
how are you feeling? How are you feeling right now, Colin? Um, uh, you know, obviously everybody's kind of points of view will change throughout the week, but how are you feeling as we speak at this moment about the game on Saturday? I think this is a a, a point to um, put a lot of shut up a lot of people on on the internet and in the papers and all the rest of it. I think this is it's uh, time for Beale to experience his first loss in the league. Uh, I want us to deal it out um, with aplomb style, and uh, yeah, I want a, a humiliation on the park for uh, Rangers and. Because it's Monday, I'm feeling good about it. But that will <laughs> that will degrade uh, as the week goes on. So I'm just enjoying the sunshine and uh, the feeling that we could give them a good spanking. Good, I'm in. I love it. That's the positivity we're looking for. I'm feeling positive. I feel that, you know, I actually, in a weird way, I think yesterday was good that we kind of got a poor performance out of our system. I think... You know, Ange can point to that this week and say we can't let standards drop and we need to kind of look at who we're playing on Saturday and can maybe use that as a way to kind of boost the players on. Um, and also, I just really want to absolutely hump them. I really, I want to, I love the way, Colin, I love the way you said the internet there. People on the internet. Usually people say like social media <laughs> or whatever, but people on the bloody internet, all those internet folk. Um, hey, I, I mean, the internet's still a new thing to me, so uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you, getting used to it, you know. Uh, you're still playing uh, football manager via post, um, I'm led to believe. Um, what about yourself, Alan? How are you feeling? Um, as we say, like, your point of view will change through the week, but as we sit here right now in the glorious Glasgow sunshine, what are you thinking? I think I'm probably the same opinion. I think yesterday's a huge hurdle. You really are starting to count down the games now. And but we'll approach the game in the same way that we do every other game. But for us, in terms of how we rationalise it and try and get through the week, which is obviously what our first target is, just don't lose. I mean, that's... I think if you don't you don't give three points away on Saturday afternoon, then the league is is there, and it's it's then very much just a case of seeing it over the line. If you lose, you're still in a dominant position, but it becomes tricky, and um, you know you've got certainly less margin for error um, with um, a trip to Ibrox to come after the split as well. So just don't lose. Um, I've, I've the exact same opinion of you. If we go twelve points clean on Saturday, it is. Um, it's big victory lap time, and Colin can reply to everyone on the World Wide Web um, using his AOL email account, and he can send replies, everything. But just don't lose. Um, it's pretty straightforward, and I'd be quite happy with that. So I'm feeling good about it. We do have a good record um, at home against strangers, and we've got we've got a little bit of experience of this specific occasion now as well, because this isn't dissimilar to the, the game at Celtic Park last year, where... Everyone wants to go and make it a day to party. But as long as you just don't do anything daft, you don't give anything away, then you're still in a dominant position. So it is a 38 game season. We want to enjoy the Saturday because we want to have beers after and celebrate and do everything. But for the players, it's just about seeing another game of those 38 over the line and not to jeopardise what's there. So it's a good position for us. We've got a bit of experience in it. Hopefully that experience from last year will stand us in good stead. Um, much like, you know, the kind of Hamden performance last year maybe fed into a little bit this year. Maybe it could be similar this year and we go one step more this year. And um, 12 points clear 
as then the season then becomes an absolute dead rubber for Rangers, with the exception of the Scottish Cup. And I, I do like it because then you hear them rationalising it, how it will be good for Beal because he can try out different things. And it's like, I can try different things because it fucked the league and you've got nothing to play for. And there's nothing better, quite frankly, nothing better. Uh, you know, in the Simpsons Treehouse of Horrors, when the big uh, signs become sentient, the big giant signs, and um, Lisa has to write a song with Paul Anker to, you know, uh, put the message across. And the message is, just don't look, just don't look. When you said, just don't lose there, Alan, all I heard was, just don't lose, just don't lose. So I'll make a wee thing. Just don't lose. I thought exactly the same thing. Oh, thank you very much, Colin. Couple of, couple of absolute nerds uh, geeking out over The Simpsons. Um, we got a question from uh, Alistair W. Uh, can I take, I love this, I love that the, way, the phrasing of this question. Can I tempt you? towards O starting ahead of Kyogo on Saturday if our creative players are not available, Hatati Moy and Taylor. Um, o, I thought, was very impressive yesterday when he came on. Um, it, you know, the, the, the turn just outside the, just off the kind of centre circle was very, very good. Um, it just looks to me like he's really starting to, as Barry Gallagher would say, start to cook. And we're starting to see him kind of come in and add different elements to the game. Um, Colin, would that be something that you would be tempted with, or is it Kyogo a go go for Yo Yo? I don't know. For you, do you think nice. Kyogo should nice. start. I don't know. Um, I like the way I feel. I feel like I'm being offered like an after eight mint. Uh, <laughs> can I tempt you with uh, an old start? I would. I would say politely no. Uh, I think Kyogo is. Um, He's proven himself to be a big game player. Uh, he, uh, I think, one of the concerns uh, we had was um, scoring against Rangers. Something that he has put to bed quite, uh, quite vociferously with an important equaliser, uh, and uh, also the brace at the at the cup final. Um, I think uh, he. I, I also like, as you say, about getting things out of the road, and I know football doesn't work like that, but I feel that Kyogo. Um, missing that chance yesterday, he'll be focused on, you know, like he'll want to score goals. He want to he he wants to up that tally, uh, and we need to give him every chance to do so because he's more than capable of uh, of doing it. And I love the fact that we have O to bring on, and also there's a possibility we've seen occasionally from Ange making the decision to sort of uh, put two up front. Uh, depending on how things are going. And I think the, when O up front and Q was sitting a little bit deeper, uh, also provided something quite interesting and different. And uh, and when you're facing like a, a team that's tiring and all teams tired against us, because I think we're the fittest in the league by a, a, a chalk. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm all up for that. And uh, yeah, so Q for the start, please. Uh, Alan, O... We mentioned again on the reaction, and and you know I I've been thinking about it all day, all night last night as well. He just brought a different element yesterday. I thought I just thought there was something. He looked sharp. He looked aggressive, um, but he had that sort of technical ability. You know, I'm sure you'll agree with Colin that Kyogo has to start, but he's a good. He, he looks now to be a, a real good option off the bench. Yeah, I, I do agree with with what Colin said, but and the only. Maybe the thing I would add as well is that, and probably all of the same opinion, is that it's 
it's a huge vote of confidence, though, in O that you would actually consider, you know, that he can play a big part in this game, and I, I presume he will play a, you know, a significant portion of the game. Um, and I think the development in him in the short time he's been here yesterday did feel a bit like he's be, he's been a part of the group now. He's played a bit of football. Yesterday just seemed different from him, and I don't know. It just looked. He simplified things a lot. Um, I don't think you've seen him trying to do the spins and the kind of things that he was doing in home games recently, which you just looked at and thought, you, you don't need that. And he just looked at more, he looked, he looked more aggressive, as you say. Um, so it's a real vote of confidence, but I think it would be, it would be, um, highly unusual for Ange to, irrespective of who else is available to, to go with all because Kyogo is lethal and Rangers really, really struggle to cope with his movement. Um and he creates so much for other players with that movement. So I just I, I would sit with Google because I think he's by far the best striker in the league. Um and he's in exceptional form at the moment. Um aside from that incredible miss yesterday. But it's a one off. He's one of the first names in the team sheet for Saturday for me. And he's not had a good, great shake of it at Celtic Park. You know, the the game, you know, the one each draw at the end of last season where he went off after a minute, a minute, and he obviously missed the games before that. So, you know, I I reckon and I feel that there's going to be a big moment from Kyogo this weekend. I'm I'm, I'm certain of it. I can just feel it in my bones. And, uh, you know, as uh, Colin says, you know, scoring a double against Rangers in a cup final just does so much for you. Um, you know, if you look at someone like Morelos, who they had, who just consistently didn't score... And that kind of became a bit of a monkey on his back. And, you know, Kyogo has now brushed that away very quickly and very easily. So, um, obviously, we've got injury doubts and nothing's kind of confirmed. So, we're not going to sit here and pick a team because we just don't know who's going to be available. We'll do that later in the week when we've got more of the information. But um, is it normally, I would say, is there any areas you're worried about? But, you know, actually, what are you excited about? You know, what are you excited about? with this Celtic team taking on Rangers. Colin, is there anything that you're excited to see? Obviously, we've mentioned Kyogo and his movement and such, but is there any other areas that you're looking at thinking, yeah, we can really do that, turn them over here? I'm excited to see Celtic play against uh, a, a, a better competition, and uh, not to give them too much, but like they are better than uh, what we face domestically. And I think that's what we're um, tooled to to be really doing like to play our best football, we need to be playing something, uh, playing somebody that's trying to play football. And um, that's the thing. I think uh, also you're talking about aggression with O. I think a key thing for us on Saturday will be aggression, but controlled aggression, not like, you know, taking bodies. I'm talking about, you know, like being on them and they just can't cope with it uh, when we do that. And if you, if you think back to the, the, the the aforementioned three 0 last January, um, uh, it was it was we were just swarming them, and it was just like, and they just looked utterly stricken. So um, yeah, I'm just looking forward to like us kind of getting a grip of any kind of uh, any kind of nerves like that might be experienced, which is natural. They are human, and I know they just concentrate in the game at a time, but it's still an important game which could define the season. Uh, I want to see that those nerves controlled, controlled aggression. Excellent football and a gubbing. Um, see, on that, Alan, you mentioned earlier about how, you know, just don't lose. Just don't lose. Um, obviously, they have to win if they've got any chance. 
you think that's going to change their approach? Um, do you think they will kind of go all out from the start or will they maybe think, you know, the, the, the game's to be won, you know? Do you think he'll be telling them to not necessarily go for it from, from the off and try and just play your way into the game or do you think they will come at us straight away? Do you think their approach will change, essentially? They're going to have to, If they go into the last half hour of the game and they're not winning, then, I mean, they're going to have to. Um, I, but I do get the impression that the way they play football, they're not an all-out attack team. They, they are a possession-based team. And I think Colin's point about actually what can we take away from the game, I quite like that point about playing against a better standard team. You've got three games against a better standard team now across the last however many games there will be. I quite like that idea of laying down that challenge to the players. Look, you want to play Champions League next year, you play against six top teams within a 12-week period. You treat this as like in a scenario like that. So I actually quite like that element of it. Um, I don't see, I don't think they change how they play. I think they will do the same things that they do. They'll try and not leave themselves exposed and they will... They will not hesitate in getting the ball forward and trying to win second balls. They, there will come a point in the game if they're not winning, though, I would presume, where they would have to be a little bit more aggressive, maybe go two up top, which I think Beal talks about a lot, but he doesn't really do. Um, but then it's just have to work out because he does talk a, a lot. Um, so I, I think they will. They would have to win the game, but I don't think they'll start any differently from the, the way they did at um, Hamden or the way they did at the last home game. Um, but if it gets to the stage where they're not winning in the game, either drawing or losing in the last you know 30 minutes, then presumably a change would have to come. But what that looks like and what it is, I, I don't really know. Maybe he'll pick his favourite 11 this time, or who the fans think the favourite 11 is. Um, it's funny, I think it was last week, it was like, just kind of obviously, Brendan Rodgers just getting sacked from, from Leicester. It was like flashbacks to the Brendan Rodgers era, um, where... Rangers players coming out saying they're going to see the real Rangers this time. You're going to see the real Rangers this time. It's like I've you know I've seen all this before so many times. We're just going to get a week of propaganda, just of actually okay. You beat us in a cup final. You beat you beat us early in the season, but you're going to see the real Rangers this time. Alan, the the new one I would say that is becoming very vogue amongst um, Rangers and Rangers fans is now. Being, basically being able to use a game as a dry run, but it's an actual game. So, <laughs> yeah, the last game, ah, we, should have, we should have probably picked Cantwell and Raskin. We'll do that next time. But in the meantime, we're packed out of a cup final. Um, so if they just treat the next three games and then say, don't worry about it, it's all for next season. I like that notion that managers get that scenario where if they make a pig's ear of it, it's okay because they'll do it again next time because that is the ultimate loser mentality. So um, long may that continue. Talk about losers, man. Unbelievable. They are the pure big loser, guys. Um, let's kind of do... Right, some... can, can, I, can I just point out we're getting a wee bit cocky here? I'm <laughs> starting to get nervous. <laughs> I've talked myself into being nervous. I've, I've officially bottled it. Um, That's me gone. Let, just to finish off, well, I thought we'd have a wee bit of fun. Um, we're, we'll do... Um, I'll ask you a couple of scenarios that come up, if they come up on uh, Saturday, who you would uh, choose to be the player to deliver said scenario. So, Colin, I'm going to come to you first. Um, If Celtic get a penalty on Saturday against Rangers, who do you think will... Obviously, it depends on who's available, but let's just say we get a full complement of players. Who would you be taking the penalty? 
I find it very hard to buy, buy into this scenario where we get given a penalty. <laughs> That's very true, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, if full complement of players, I think we've got to go with Moy, uh, who hopefully has been um, just kind of kept out of the limelight for a a shock reappearance uh, for this game. Because um, I think he's proven to be a very cool customer when it comes to penalty taking. Uh, I think most people would say uh, Jota has been incredibly fortunate to score his last two penalties. Um, although I'm I'm quite in favour of blasting it in the middle generally because goalies always just want to dive one way because they don't want to look like they're doing nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, although he could have just had it a bit higher. But uh, yeah, so I think... Uh, Aaron Moy would be my pick with the full complement of players. As I was doing that, I thought, actually, do you know what? We do have a penalty taker, and if Moy is fit, it would be Moy, and it's kind of joyous to be able to say that. So, But yeah, you're right, we're not getting a penalty Ibrox. We're not getting a penalty Celtic Park and Derby to be daft. Um, Alan, it's the last minute of the of the game. Um, it's nil-nil, because um, I'm not having them winning. Um, it's nil-nil, and we get a free kick right on the edge of the area. Who would you have taken it? Is it right on the edge of the area, as in just outside the penalty box? Uh, it's five yards outside from the line, so it's just yeah, a little bit out. Pretty close. Um, do you know what? I think I'd have to go. It, it would have to be David Turnbull from that distance. Is you know, Jota probably needs a wee bit more up to get over. up and down. Yeah. Um, obviously that incredible goal in the Bernabeu, but it's, he needs a bit of distance. So I think if David Turnbull's in a the park, then you're going to have to. Um, with a bit of craft, put your foot through the ball. Um, so yeah, David Turnbull for me. Uh, Colin, it's again nil-nil. Um, header in the last minute. You've got basically within in the box, you've got someone has the opportunity to hit a perfect header. Who would you be going for to hit that perfect header? Uh, it's my boy, Anthony Ralston. He's brought <laughs> on and... In desperate times, he's limping, he's got a bandage around his head, he's been through the wars, and he gets up and he scores that goal and he celebrates and everybody's like, yes. underestimate, underestimate this guy. Feeling that, Carl Starfield. <laughs> yeah, very good. Uh, hey, Alan, um, this one's, I think this one's um, kind of perfect for you. Um there's been a bad foul from a Rangers player. Ryan Jack has fouled one of, uh, has fouled Jota and it was bad and the referee hasn't said anything. And you get the word off the bench from Ange, go and do him. Who are you sending to do Ryan Jack? Hmm. Is it just a, are we talking just like a, you know, standard assault here or are we talking just a, a tackle? We're talking knee high. We're talking outrageous. You're talking that. You're talking that potentially it could go to VAR and it could be a red card. But hey, that's a gamble that Ange has said to you. I'm willing uh, to take that. So start taking bodies. Absolutely. Um, I was I was laughing when Colin was saying about keeping cool heads earlier, and I thought I'm not ashamed giving a good while as well. So like, <laughs> as long as we we get some sort of moral victory, I think. Joe, you know, I think always get the look of a striker's tackle all over him, and he's more likely to get away with it. It's a strip well, probably not on Saturday for fuck's sake, going back to Colin's earlier comments about getting a penalty, but I think O looks like he might be able to pass it off his clumsiness. Um 
and he's got the frame. He, he looks like he could um, put in a horror tackle. He's not a guaranteed starter as well. So if it is a VAR red card, you know, we can handle that. So, yeah. Um, oh, welcome to, welcome to Scottish football. This is like the, the reverse Zeng Z situation where instead of it being welcome to Scottish football, it is all for welcome to Scottish football. <laughs> <laughs> and he could do that thing where he turns to the referee and goes, oh, mate, I'm just going for the ball. I'm, I'm a striker. I'm, you know what it's like. I'm a striker. I don't know how to tackle. I never realised that he's knee would do that. <laughs> <laughs> it would buckle the wrong way. Uh, listen, that was great. A um, couple of fun wee scenarios. Maybe we'll do more during the week as uh, uh, on a different, few different pods. But this has been an absolute joy. We've got lots coming up uh, this week. This is the real build-up to the um, the Derby midweek bounce on Wednesday will be your real kick-off for it. So look forward to that. But... Um, Great stuff. Uh, Alan Edgar, pleasure as always. We'll speak to you during the week, sir. Loved it, boys. Thanks very much. Colin, pleasure as always. Again, we'll speak to you during the week. Thanks very much. I, I just want to say that as the week goes by and the scenarios get more outlandish, I want by like Friday to be like, aliens have landed uh, <laughs> in the centre of the park. Who do you choose to make first contact? You know, that's what I want to see, Gal. I, I tell you what, it's not going to be Ryan Jack. They wouldn't fucking understand him. Uh, from from Alan Edgar, from Colin Kearney, I'm Chris Gallagher. Lots of stuff uh, this week on The Cynic for the Derby. Uh, this has been The Agenda, and we'll speak to you down the road. Hold up. 